Hey, I'm Lika Sumba, and this is our journey across Africa, navigating the intricate landscapes of business, culture, and global influence from the African perspective. Africa Whisperer, telling authentic African stories in a global way. On this episode of the Africa Whisperer. Everybody was that was coming there was like, oh wow, this is beautiful. We never knew about uh, this type of uh, cuisine. It's fantastic. It's so, uh, so tasty. So, you know, and it was really amazing to see how all of a sudden the world is ready for African cuisine. But... It's ready because, okay, because there are chefs who took this, uh, how can I say, this challenge on exposing uh, the African, African cuisine. Food is never just food. It's about identity. It reflects our culture. It can transport us to a different country without ever stepping on a plane. And like my guest Chef Coco said it, show me your plate and I'll tell you who you are. Chef Coco is a pan-Africanist, a culinary storyteller, an entrepreneur, and a proponent for African cuisine. Whether he's curating dishes for some of the top CEOs in Africa, hosting a food hall in Dubai, or preparing meals for heads of state, opening a world-class sports cafe in Kigali, Rwanda, in association with Basketball Africa, or walking through the streets of Chad to find authentic local food, or even hosting international stars like Steve Harvey at his restaurant, He's always pushing the beauty, the flavors, the stories of African cuisine. Now, Chef Coco, let's get into this conversation around food and Africa. You know, as Africans, food is a huge thing. People's marriages can break up over food. <laughs> Somebody can decide who they're going to marry because the, the mother will be like, we should be able to cook food from my country. Yep. What will our children eat? It's such a huge thing. I mean, some cultures will go anywhere in the world. I mean, I know my Nigerian friends, I mustn't get upset. Anywhere they go, they must have Nigerian food. Yep. <laughs> in some places, it's so it's so deep. So, you know, when I think about food, and I, and I think it's possibly the same for you, um, as Africans, it reminds us about our home, our identity, and it also tells stories about our, our cultures and our families and, and us as individuals. I'm not so familiar about food in um, Burundi and in Congo, and you being Burundi from Burundi and Congo. Can you describe the type of foods that are popular and how people engage with food in these two different countries? The food of Burundi depends, it's very simple, I would say, uh, mm. depends a lot of, on where you, you are. It's a very small country, so whether you are around the lake, it will be mainly fish based. Okay, mm -hmm. But once you are in the mountains, uh, it should be mainly plant-based and some meat from time to time. No, mm -hmm. Burundi, we are not, we are, how can I say, cattle people, can you say that? So okay. we milk, dairy, uh, some local cheese that we do. That's really what we eat the most. Yes. Uh, and from Congo, for me, Congo have one of the most beautiful and diverse uh, food genres all together uh, from the continent. Because you, you have actually everything. You have seafood, you have 
fishes, you have freshwater fish, you have uh, game, you have uh, any type of bird, you have a uh, different type of cooking from whether you are mm. in the north of Congo, you are in the east mm. of Congo, southern Congo. So it's mm. really very, very diverse type of uh, food. And yeah. it's one of the, I would say, most elaborate food uh, culture you can mm. find in Africa. I love that because um, my experience of Congo is through my my uncles and my dad and all of that. Because, you know, coming from Uganda, I know that anything Congolese was popular you know <laughs> people were dancing like congolese people and everything and and even when you think about congo now first of all i believe congo is one of the biggest countries in africa if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. in terms of population and size and then yeah. the fact that congo has uh the biggest the most amount of resources in the world i think between congo and sierra leone the natural resources so when you describe the food i'm like that's so amazing about how diverse the food genre is in congo it really is a reflection of the people of the land of the resources i think it's so beautiful how food ties it ties in with how the people are it's so nice how it really translates into the food and the way that you've described it so that's really awesome how you can tell a culture from the plate so you know in in africa we always say uh, tell me what you eat i will tell you who you are wow yeah you know, uh, you, you, you can, as you're talking about uh, Nigerian food, when you eat Nigerian food, you're like, okay, you can almost see the person who's been preparing this. Yes. You can feel the energy, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's it, yeah. It, it really, really reflects the, the character of the uh, amazing people of Nigeria into yes. the food. Uh, they eat. I love everything about this conversation, <laughs> just how it's being tied in with people and character. Literally, you can even see it. Like you say, you can see the yeah, people yeah, from yeah. their food. Now, Chef Coco, what I love about your story, I think it's so beautiful. And your journey um, as a chef, I feel that you're more than just a chef. You're an entrepreneur. You're a culinary storyteller. You're an ambassador for African food. So many things. What you're doing is phenomenal. But I love the way that everything started for you. This whole idea of a generational culture culinary love story you know your grandfather was a chef and he passed that on to your mom and then passed it on to you i'm very curious for you when you thought about picking up the mantle of becoming a chef was it kind of like because you felt your mother edging you on for me i've stopped believing that uh, the culinary world was uh, something that i i love or that i have uh, passion about for me, it's, it's, it's beyond passion. I really think it, it has to be genetic. I don't know how we, I, mm. I can prove that, but I need to find maybe, you know, one of those scientific yeah. scientists who can explain to me my genes. And then maybe <laughs> there must be a, a cooking gene or something like that. Because I've tried other yeah. stuff, you know, when, when you are a teenager, you're kind of rebellious. First, I wanted to be a DJ. Uh, and then I wanted to oh. be uh, an engineer, but everything kept leading me back to what I didn't want or, or I think was not for me because I could see the, mm. the, the hard work my mother was putting in, the, the, the hours, the hours of working that she was putting in. You know, uh, it's, it's really, uh, as a kid, I, I don't remember I don't remember a holiday with my mother. I don't wow. remember us going on holiday. I remember me going on holiday. So she will leave me 
and uh, she will leave mm-hmm. us, sorry, with my other siblings, go on holiday to an uncle, to an aunt overseas or whatever. But I don't remember going on holiday with her. And I was thinking about this the other day. And yeah, so when I was looking at all that, it's very difficult. It's a tough life, but it is so rewarding that you forget all Mm. everything else. And when you are Mm. passionate or genetically built for that type of of world, well, you take everything Mm. else differently. There's a part of your story that I don't know if it's uh, if it was just maybe like a, a almost like you were saying it as a joke or was it actually serious that your mother almost gave birth to you on the kitchen floor? Yeah, absolutely. In her in her kitchen, and uh, yeah. I was I was born in her almost. I mean, reborn. When I say I believe the, the birth process start when yeah. you break water. So that's I think it's the beginning. So it happened there in the kitchen and then she had to go and deliver me after deliver me i think the the, the next evening or the following more the, the following day two days after she was back in her kitchen you know and and, wow. and all this you have to un, to understand that it's it was a very very young woman not you could even say not even an adult yet she was uh she was working in, in her father's kitchen, so mm. that's when all this happened. And uh, yeah, mm. it was uh, it was drama at that time. So now you becoming a chef, and I know that you're very happy about being a father, being a husband, all of that, and a grandfather, and a grandfather, and a grandfather, and a grandfather. How are you perhaps incorporating your family, or how do you try to do things a little bit differently? So it's it's also the same struggle but different if i can say mm-hmm. now we live mm-hmm. in a very how can I, i'm not going to say easier life but uh, we live in a way where uh, in a world where you can easily or it's easier to multitask okay and the operation that i have is uh, i would say a bit bigger than what uh, she had so she she was a one woman band she was doing everything, mm. you know. While uh, mm. me here, I'm, I'm I'm able to to rely on other people. I'm able to to start slowly, slowly delegate. And although the the lifestyle that we have it's very demanding in terms of hour and and dedication, I try to create small small family time, but quality time. Okay, yes, uh, yes. almost like. We don't see each other every day, okay? Mm. But w- when we see each other, we try to make. Sh- I try to make sure that I focus on the family hundred percent, almost uh, phone off, and uh, yeah, you know, trying to really yeah. focus on the family. It's not easy. I'm not saying that I'm succeeding every time. It's very difficult, but uh, at least I'm trying. With regards to your mom, your mom took over. I think your family had a hotel in Kinshasa, if you can just correct it. No, that was in, in Burundi and Kinshasa. It was her restaurant where she was doing a mix of uh, African food and European. Yeah. 
So when she passed away, you took over from the restaurant in Kinshasa. At that particular time, where was Congo historically? What was the food like? Was it still what it was now? Because I know obviously Congo went through the whole situation where it was Zaire, then Democratic Republic of, of Congo. So where, what era in, in Congo's history was this when you took over? And what was the atmosphere like, the guests? Just give us a, a whole texture and taste of it. Yeah, always. I mean, in Congo, we only dress smart and... And flamboyant. <laughs> that's uh, that, 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 that's who we are. Okay. Yes. As yes. far as humanity can remember, Congolese people have always dressed smart and, and flamboyant. I took over a restaurant in exactly '94 when, fortunately, she passed away, and I still remember she she actually passed away on my last last day of uh, school. While I was doing my uh, hospitality management diploma in, in Belgium, so unfortunately I had to I had to go and take over her restaurant in Kinshasa, which was one of the most beautiful restaurants and most successful restaurants in, in Kinshasa, where she was serving uh, presidents, uh, ministers, singers, the big the who's who of Kinshasa had to go yeah. and eat at. You know, it was such a, a well-known restaurant that uh, it, it was really an iconic place. I had the very difficult task to go and take over, uh, which I did, and I believe I, I, I did well. I, uh, I stayed there at Pili Pili for, what, uh, almost, yeah, six years six years when uh and then i left uh, kinshasa in 99 for five years i left kinshasa in 99 where i went to ivory coast when you decided to formalize your education as a chef and to really learn and you went abroad to belgium i believe it was to go to culinary school and because you already had such a strong sense of the way cooking was done in Africa, so you weren't going there not knowing anything at all and just going there to start studying. You know, you basically learned cooking from your family. How were you able to bring in the things that you'd learned from an African kitchen, from an African chef when you were in Belgium? Was it something that they were open to at that particular school or was it frowned upon? Uh, what was that whole process like? Mm, it, it, it was not an easy process, you know, to uh, mm. impose uh, African cuisine in French, European cooking school. It was mm. really, I think I'm the first one who say, okay, let me also teach you and show you a little bit of African cuisine. Because I, I always wanted to change the, the way Africa is seen on so many different aspects, okay? So when I did this on the culinary school, I remember I did every year I was doing one African day at the cooking school. And then from there, we had now people who were on that school who were from, from India, from South America. They also kind of start doing their own origin as well, which was really spectacular mm. to see how students we have managed to change the concept of the school. And now just with regards to education, that's obviously something that everybody talks about. And I feel that, and I don't know if you agree with me, but in Africa, obviously when it comes to culture and creativity, we are excellent at that. I don't think anybody culturally and creatively can, can touch Africa in anything, whether it's fashion, whether it's 
cooking, whatever it may be, music, all of that. But one of the areas that we do lack is the whole education system and structures being in place. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, when it comes to the culinary experience in Africa across the board and young people being able to go to school to learn how to cook in an African way, but, you know, that's something that's going to be celebrated globally. Do we have that? And are you involved in any projects that are around culinary uh, experiences in Africa and education in Africa? This is one of my actual battle that I really want to I really want to make sure in the next five years we start at least at least in all big cooking school in Africa having a module on African food we start by there okay and then slowly slowly make sure we can start having cooking school which are hundred percent dedicated to to African cuisine. That's really one of the the biggest achievements. If I manage to see that in my lifetime, I would say, okay, it's uh, it's good. You've, you've done well. Now you can you can go and rest. But until then, uh, we really have to make sure that we we leave that to the the generation of chefs of amazing and talented chefs that are coming out of Africa. It's very painful for me to see that all the, the big African, uh, all the big uh, cooking school in Africa still teach our young chef how to make a French mushroom sauce, how to cook or how to do the most beautiful mm -hmm. sushi. Yet we don't have anything that is given mm. to, to this talented uh, chef to represent themselves. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. We, we are so proud mm. of, our, mm. uh, of our music. We are so proud of the yeah. way our African arts are coming and are being regarded on the, on the world, how, how our musicians are excelling in, in African music. Uh, it, it's really about time that... Uh, we have the same uh, achievement on the food side. And that can, can only happen if we as chefs take charge mm. and make sure that we really are delivering high quality and high level. It makes me think also, when you're in Japan or when you're in um, anywhere in the world, are they teaching courses on African food? We only now a little bit starting to to learn about the, the real history of Africa, you know, uh, how great Africa was pre-colonialism. It's mm -hmm. only now that we, we're starting to see the, 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 the truth coming out. But I remember as a kid, we were taught yeah. the, 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 the story of, in the history classes, it was uh, World One, World War Two. But what about the history of, uh, of Africa? Only now we're starting to mm. see that in schools. So how do you go about finding out about different African food cultures? Yeah. Do you travel around to different countries? And when you go there, are you going on the streets? Like, how are you experiencing it so that you can bring authentic foods to your, your, your eateries and your restaurants for people who are not in that country? How, how do you make sure that it's authentic? So all, all that, it's, uh, it's decision-taking or decision-making, right? Mm -hmm. okay, so I've decided a couple of uh, years ago that uh, I need to spend 
holidays in Africa. Okay? Mm. That's one. I have visited almost yeah, 40 different African countries. Wow. And every time I go in an African country, I make sure I eat local. You understand? Yes. It does not make sense for me to go to Chad and eat a pizza. I refuse <laughs> that. I refuse that. You understand? Yeah. And yeah. it's almost becoming like a research travel. Every time I, I do a cooking or exhibition in Africa, uh, I make mm. sure I eat local. Mm. Really, really, it has to be. I, I don't uh, eat in the in the restaurant in the hotels where I'm staying, mm. even for breakfast. Okay, uh, mm. and I'm happy that now I see more and more hotels in Africa, even big uh, hotel chains, start having like a local corner. That's mm. really I mean that I'm very happy, and you know I can see it's a, 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 a movement that all African will start getting or being more, more and more proud of our own uh, food culture. So I'm very, very happy to see that. But in the restaurant, if they don't have African restaurants, I make sure I find other places, even if it's a very uh, remote area or something. Yeah. But I make sure I go and eat in African restaurants. So now I think that this might be where your concept of News Africa, I think it's related to this and your traveling. Um, can you maybe expand on, on what that is and what you're achieving with that particular concept and project? So the, the whole concept uh, we've created at Epicure, it, it's mm-hmm. not just a restaurant where you go and feel proud to be African. It's really, I wanted to make sure we create a very high-end product that can be copy and paste in, in all African big cities, in places like uh, Dubai, New York, Paris, London. You understand where all African will be proud to be there. That's number mm. one. Secondly, I wanted to make sure that the food is not just uh, a starter, a main course and a dessert or something. I like to offer food journeys. Okay, yeah. it's a story. We mm-hmm. we almost telling the story of a region through a plate. Unfortunately, as African, we don't visit Africa enough. It's happening more and more, which is great. But you know, we 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 sometimes don't even know what is the food culture in the country next door. Simply because maybe we never been to a country next door. That was the whole concept of uh, of Epicure, and I was calling it the news of Africa. Uh, so I will give you the news of Africa, and mm. news will be standing for North, East, West, South. Mm. So I'm taking you through all that area, and then Central Africa as well will be included in that. Now, when it comes to food and culture in Africa, one thing is that we're very protective over it. We remember the Jollof Wars that were very highly publicized, <laughs> went as far as CNN. Yeah. So when it comes to what it is that you're trying to do, because there's two things that I, I would like to discuss. Firstly, you describe uh, the food that you create as modern African food. Have you experienced any pushback or challenges? And how would you describe modern African food? How do you explain that to somebody who perhaps 
is a purist and they say, no, there's no such thing as modern African food. African food is African food. Absolutely. So how do you how do you get around that? I'm sure you've had those um, kind of discussions with people. Yeah, all the time, all the time. And which is good because we, we're creating conversation and conversation is always good, whether it's heated or not. Okay. So mm-hmm. my whole concept is how do we teach someone from, from Japan to eat African food? Okay. The same way they taught us how we can eat sushi. How do we eat Italian food? Okay. And how can we also have Italian people eating our food? Only by making it appealing to the eyes, you can, you can get that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like someone who, who did not grow up eating mkhudu or, 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 or tripe. You cannot just at mm-hmm. 40 or 30 start now discovering tripe and find it great. It's those type of food that really, <laughs> you know, take you back to your childhood, take, it's the memories, etc. So my whole, mm. how can mm. I say, exercise was I need to make African food appealing. I need to make African mm-hmm. food served in a beautiful plate and in a beautiful manner, the way we were doing uh, at Epicure, okay? And that's what I call modern. Mm. Modern, I will not touch mm. all the, the flavor and the taste. It's just on the look. Mm. And maybe, yeah, that, that, that's yes, the most important. Yes. Like, for example, we used to do every uh, day there was an independent day, let's say, of Senegal. Then we have a special menu on that day around food from Senegal. Also to mm. teach our fellow African mm. who are visiting, and, and non-African, by the way, who are visiting Epicure, a little bit mm-hmm. about uh, Senegal. So we used to do the menu of Senegal. So we'll try to invite the, uh, the ambassador mm-hmm. of the country to come and, you know, also be part of that uh, festivity. Mm-hmm. So I remember one day, mm-hmm. so it was Senegal uh, Independence Day. We invite uh, the ambassador of uh, Senegal. She arrived. We start serving the food. And it was uh, a chebujen. Chebujen is what you can mm. say it's the original type of jollof. Okay? Because, by the way, j- j- jollof come oh. from Senegal, from the town of jollof. <laughs> Not, you know, so yes. Ghanaian and Nigerian fighting over jollof. They must stop copying and, and create their own. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love teasing them like that. But so she came there, we do the, the yeah. tebujen, and when, when the, the, the dish arrived, she was like, mm, but this doesn't look like tebujen. I'm like, okay, great. This is exactly what I wanted. I said, okay, just try and eat it. And when she's trying to eat it, I could see slowly, slowly the smile coming on her face. She's like, mm, wow, I, I, I'm, it's going to be very difficult for me to say this, but it, it tastes like one of the best chebujen I've ever had. You understand? That's the type of, uh, of uh, conversation I want to, to have. A traditional plating or type of food have to exist, have to continue, but in the same way, we need to evolve. Mm. Humanity is a constant evolution mm-hmm. in language, in art, in 
the way you, you dress, the way you, you talk, you, you understand? All that there is an evolution. So we cannot say, us as African, we have to be mm. the only one in the world that are going to remain in the time of our ancestor. It's not possible. We, we have to evolve with the, the rest of the world. So that's how I want to elevate, to be, you know, to, to be part uh, of the, the new vision of the African food genre. I know that you've been part of a lot of great international opportunities. Mm. You've been in front of really powerful people, even in Africa. CF, I think the CEO, mm-hmm. um, African Investment Forum, um, and, and so forth. And also you were part of the first African food dining hall in Dubai. A big question that I always feel when it comes to the creative sector in Africa in general, I feel as though creative and cultural sector and so forth, there isn't enough government investment in our own creative, you know, but I don't know how this translates into the culinary world. When you sit at tables with these people or when you prepare for really important people, presidents and, and all of that kind of thing, or, or people who have influence to be able to invest even from the private sector into the culinary world in Africa, do you find that it's that people are starting to see, look, it's a huge opportunity to create jobs, um, you know, we can train people, we can, we can use this as food can become, can become part of brand Africa globally. Are you finding that this is happening or how far are we from that kind of conversation? No, no, it, it's really start happening. It's uh, happening more and more. Uh, like, for example, you are mentioning the, the Africa CEO Forum. Okay. And I went and, and, and talked with the organizer. I'm like, guys, what is wrong with you guys? You've been talking here the whole day about how proud you are to be doing business in Africa, the, uh, what you can change in Africa, how Africa is the, the, the place to be, to do business and whatever. And I see at your lunch, you, you're eating Thai cuisine, you're eating Italian cuisine. Mm-hmm. In the evening, you do a big gala dinner to, to celebrate the award on African excellence and achievement. But on your plate there, there is a... Uh, French cuisine, there is, uh, you know, Japanese cuisine. Mm. Where, what is wrong? And then, so they, they were like, mm. okay, yeah, we never thought about that. They said, yeah, okay. So we as African chefs, we are here, okay? And I want to challenge you to give me the platform to, to shine on an African level. You understand? And that's how I started mm. doing more and more this type of uh, big event. When I was in Dubai at the African Food Hall, everybody was that was coming there was like, oh, wow, this is beautiful. We never knew about uh, this type of uh, cuisine. It's fantastic. It's so, uh, so tasty. So, you know, and it was really mm-hmm. amazing to see how all of a sudden the world is ready for African cuisine. But it's ready mm-hmm. because, okay, because there are chefs who took this, uh, how can I say, this challenge on exposing the African African cuisine. And yes, it was not easy, but we are getting there more and more. And it, it, it's getting more and more affordable. Uh, and when I say affordable, it's uh, accessible rather, you know. Now you can go in any African big city and start found, finding a great, how can I say, a great level of comfort of African restaurants that have, you know, like fine dining or 
if it's not too fine dining, but something which is elaborate. We don't only have African restaurant where, you know, it's your, I would say, two-star or one-star type of uh, of restaurant. Mm. Now you have really uh, fine dining mm. setup or high-end setup that are serving African food. I mean, even when you say that, I don't know. I don't know very much about this whole Michelin star. I know that it's a big deal in, in the country world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wonder how that in you know how that works, um, and if there are any African restaurants or chefs that have a Michelin star, and does that also speak to the fact that we we really need to be more present in those spaces or create a platform and a space for ourselves in that kind of way? So. The, uh, the debate with the Michelin star system, it's, it's really, I would say, it's, it's very sad. I, I think they don't value, it's as simple as that, they mm. don't value African cuisine or they don't know African cuisine. Therefore, because they don't know and African cuisine don't go to them, they don't really see mm. it as something that can be to that level. Okay? There are African chefs who have Michelin star, mm. but unfortunately they don't do African cuisine. So it's not about the talent. Yeah. Talent is there, but it's about the food genre. You understand? It's about the food genre. That's why I, I really think mm. it's time that the, the Michelin star concept start coming to Africa and be interested in Africa. Even, let's say, in places like Cape Town, for example, or in the vineyard, you, you, you can find restaurants that are even higher than some mm. uh, Michelin, one-star Michelin restaurant in, in, in France or in, in Europe or in United States, but they don't value anything that's happening in Africa. I, I'm not a big fan of that mm. star system, but, well, let's hope one day they will realize that uh, mm. Africa is, uh, is a great place and they will start... Uh, awarding uh, Michelin star to some African restaurants. I really hope so. And I, I hope it happens sooner rather than later. Maybe one day, you know, we could get into a position where people are actually experiencing Africa globally through the food. What, what do you think the forecast is for? How, how far do you think we are from that? I, I don't see it as in, in that, uh, on, on that angle of uh, how far are we from from whatever. Same way I don't see myself as how far am I for for achieving something big. I am where I am, okay? Mm. And African cuisine is where it is now. Let's just go forward. Mm. Let's just move forward, okay? Mm. Not let, let, Let's move in direction of the goal, yes. which is to have African food shown in all the platform possible and in all continent possible, okay? Rather than thinking, oh, we are, we are too far and whatever, we will never see this. And, you know, it can be, mm. sometimes it can, you, you can be discouraged by the place you have to go, okay? Uh, and you don't even start going there because you realize it's too far. If you don't do the first step, you're never going to mm. get anywhere. It's enjoying the journey. Exactly. Mm. Let's enjoy mm. the the journey and focus on the destination rather than all the obstacles that are there. But we'll, we'll overcome one bite at a time. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs>
<laughs> one bite at a time. I love that. Chef Coco, before I let you go, I've got two things I want to speak to you about. Post-COVID, obviously a lot of people's lives changed. I, I want to know how it's impacted the restaurant business and how you've had to reshape, regroup, and how you feel that it's impacted the culinary world as a whole. And then secondly, to talk a little bit about Irina and what that is about when it comes to food and sustainability. Irina is uh, the International uh, Renewable Energy mm. Agency. Where we did something together in Dubai at the expo, where I cooked for them an African menu, showcasing uh, how we could make sure that in Africa mm. we all have access to clean and cheap energy, because that's also one of the challenge. It was also how can I start. Uh, working with the SDG that were, mm. which, which is one of the biggest goal of the, the arena. It's a, a cheap energy, zero hunger, and uh, something like that. We did mm. a menu with them, and we're trying to see how we can now make sure we go into remote areas, okay, where we can start slowly, mm. slowly teach people how we can start using renewable energy rather than uh, mm. that mm. than fossil energy or that rather than how can I say uh, coal mm. or or, mm. or something like that. Yeah. I love that. And now to wrap the conversation up, if somebody asks you what is Africa's best kept secret, what would you say? Every little secret of Africa has to be known, and it's about time. Put everything where it belongs. When you eat, or when I eat African food, and when I go in places and I eat local, you really, I think us as Africans, if there is something that we, we excel in, it's that, what you can call the, the, the Ubuntu philosophy, yeah. which is sharing. You can really... Mm feel that in all our different cuisine, okay? Like so, someone at the at expo told me what is the, the, the special ingredient that mm. we, uh, we put in, in, in our food. I said the special ingredient that African food or, uh, have, it's really that Ubuntu and sharing philosophy mm. that we put in our food. Mm. So that for me, it's really what makes the, the African food different to any other uh, any other food. Definitely. Chef Coco, this conversation has been fantastic. I, I honestly, I love your work. I love the way that you talk about African food. I love your passion for Africa and how that's translated in, um, in everything that you do. I know that not too long from now, um, many people are going to be around the world. They will know more about African food because of chefs like you and people who really are going out there and dominating in spaces globally and sharing stories and, and, you know, sharing our food through stories in the most awesome ways. I think one of the things that I love the most um, about who you are as, as, a, as a person and about your restaurant and, and just all of the work that you've done is that you're doing something in terms of uniting Africa. And we know that that is one of the biggest things that we need to do. Um, you're uniting Africa through different plates of food. So that is fantastic. Your legacy is incredible already. Thank you so much, Chef Coco, for spending time with us. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to express my passion about the African cuisine and about African continent. And 
you must also understand that what you are doing is as great as and as important as what we are doing because you are the one who also are giving us the platform and the, the possibility to talk about our passion and and share our passion and only by doing that we can be able to be to be seen and be heard and maybe there is a one or two three person that we we're going to touch and then he's going to tell other friend oh have you heard this and then another one gonna talk about it that's the only way we all now become one big uh, how can i say entity and being proud of our, about how we are what we are so thank you very much as well Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as my team and I enjoyed putting it together for you. Remember, if you want to find out anything about me, your host, Lee Kasumba, about my team members, about the guests that we've had on the podcast, please go to theafricawhisper.com. And don't forget to follow me across all social media platforms. That's Lee Kasumba. Thank you. Catch you on the next one. That's all that we have time for on this episode of the Africa Whisperer. Thank you so much for your time and for listening. I hope that you do share this with all your networks. And I hope that more than anything that you leave inspired and realizing what is truly possible when you put your heart and mind to it. Please be sure to go to www.theafricawhisperer.com. Also, it's Lee Kasumba on all social media platforms we look forward to the next episode thank you so much don't forget to rate and review and to share this link with all your friends